welcome to the CBGS podcast brought to you by Aspen Waits. Here with Mr. Paul Waite today. I know he's had an exciting week and we're going to be talking about exciting. it. Exciting. Exciting, yes. You were, at, you were at the Business Expo yesterday. The only Swindon, one in the world. The only one to be at <laughs> yesterday in the world. <laughs> I don't expect that's true. <laughs> yeah, where Paul was a, was a keynote speaker, so we're going to see how that went because um, oh, I can imagine it was very interesting as, um, as always. And uh, we're going to cover some other things, but we're going to crack right into it. You all right, Paul? Yes, thank you, Ultra. All groovy, groovy. Are we? Are we? Are we being pictured today, or are we? Uh, we're not being pictured. Oh, no. well, we're just radioing today. Yeah, just radioing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, you had fun at the expo yesterday. Uh, not not fun. I don't know. Well, I suppose it's sort of fun. You know, sort of always nice. Pride, to I think. You know, it's, um, so I ended up uh, as you say. I did a. Um, keynote speech as they called it at 11.30 after finishing that and talking to about five or six members of the audience um, for some time I was then interviewed I'm not quite sure by who actually but I was filmed it was was a filmed interview Mm. Um, and the two ladies that did it were kind enough to say that my answers were massively better than anyone else's. Oh, nice! They'd ever asked us to, you know, properly answer the questions and said some really interesting. So they words. were doing like a documentary or something, or putting something together for for a film. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that was about ten minutes, probably. Mm. Yeah, that, they were very pleased with that. Um, so I came back out uh, to. Uh, it was quite nice actually, because obviously the feedback I came back. So I came back and. Everyone said that um, uh, apparently it was the best one I'd ever done. The keynote, oh. Best speech I'd ever done, and uh, it was an all-time career high, apparently. Oh, nice. And um, Alec and Alison were delighted because um, they like me. And uh, Was it quite well attended? Yeah, I don't know, 30 people. Oh, that's good. Everyone came out basically raving about it. Oh, nice. You know, all the things you'd expect them to say, like, you know, uncommonly honest, open, fantastically... Uh, insightful, mm. uh, you know. So, um, what did you cover in the presentation? It was wasn't it entitled um, I... a stream that became a river. Yeah, I walked into a stream and it became a river. Yeah, um, obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, having done that, so it's the first time I've talked about the sort of stuff. Um, I had a, a wonderful meeting with Mel Curtis this week, and um, she's just one of those people that makes you feel alive and. Um, uh, I actually think that I'm not the same person I was before that meeting. So, Ross, oh, I actually okay. put two new slides into it yesterday. Oh, wow. That were, would, I would never have been able to write without that meeting. Mm. Which which actually was my gift to the audience. So I actually changed my whole presentation because of my experience on Wednesday. Wow, the day before. Right? Mm. before the... um, and Alison, uh, Alison, who is the joint owner of the Expos, so uh, you know, she she she's a great f- fan of mine in terms of you know she's she's very Christianly Alison so um, she she sort of ho- wholly approves of my sort of community based approach and mm-hmm. she likes you know honesty and sincerity that sort of thing. So um, what? Yeah, these two slides. What what was what were they? Are you getting onto that? <laughs> yeah, so I'll get onto that. Um, so uh, obviously, with, with the benefit of hindsight, um, having a presentation, the stream that became a river, may not exactly have um, been the best thing. But you know, oh, okay. I wasn't really thinking about because um, you don't sometimes. You, know, you sometimes you get tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Alison said to me afterwards, she said, um, "What you do better than anywhere else is the next time you talk, you ought to call uh, your talk everything you want to know about market disruption." Oh. <laughs> And then everyone will come to that, you know, because mm. it's such a, because that's really what I was talking about, you know, mm. how to stand out from the crowd. Mm. Mm. So the two slides, one was um, called Transition to Success. Mm. So it was basically all the things that I think I did that made me change from being moderately successful to very successful. Okay. And then the last one, which was a substantial giveaway to people there, it was basically Paul's tips. So mm. all the things, some of which, you know, I'm told that three, at least three of them were unique. You know, no one had ever suggested that before. Oh, okay. Several things that people could do um, to, you know, to make themselves stand out from the crowd. Yeah. You know, um, 
Which every business is trying to do, really. So, <laughs> and I think I felt so so strongly about what I just said to you that uh, if if there was an Aspen Way Group Strategy Day tomorrow, I think people would be genuinely amazed by some of the things I would say. Like, oh, wait, he's moved on. Oh. Wait, he's evolved into a new higher being here. This is amazing. Well, you know, this is always a, a place to um, to express those things as well and get get it out to the world. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what we we love getting your your tips on the podcast and uh, <laughs> Waitie's wisdom, as we call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, it was good. It's nice. It's nice to. Um, I mean, obviously, Swindon Swindon Steam uh, uh, Centre is a the location. I like I like, I like yeah. um, railways anyway, and obviously because it's the home of Great Western Railways, mm. which is obviously uh, the home of the West Country Railway scene. So just. To, to be presenting in this wonderfully airy room where you're so as the presenter you're 10 feet higher than everyone else mm. on an old fashioned sort of lecture, lecture stage almost you know like you'd imagine if you were at university mm. you know and I had a lecture in there which oh I, wow I had a microphone but obviously because I, I talk clearly I didn't use the microphone at all I just oh, I yeah. talked about the microphone throughout you know because I can talk with resonance yeah. you know <laughs> yes. project the voice project the room. voice yes <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, it was it was nice because uh, it's obviously not a it's not a talk I'd ever done before. Mm, mm. Um, I have done a few talks now about marketing, which I'm very comfortable with. So basically, basically, I stood up and I talked about how I went from being a failure to a success, mm. and how I felt about that, mm. how I did it, you know, what other people needed to do, um, all that sort of thing, you know. And I know as well, like, um, you've always got the structure of, like, the presentation and everything, but you just kind of, um, it's it's all off the top of the head, like, when you're there, it's all kind of improvised in the way that you just let whatever's coming in the moment. 85% come. of what I said, I didn't know I was going to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it was interesting, I said, and Ross, Ross noticed this, probably about a quarter of the way through the talk, just clicked, and I went into a different drive, oh, okay. and I was like, I was, like, even impressed with myself, I started mm. being really... I went from being like a um, a good amateurish speaker into somebody serious, mm, mm, you know. I, mm. And I felt like that, you know. Mm. I got wow. into a serious mode, you know, mm. and it was really good, you know. And you could see the empathy in the audience, and it was really nice when people are buying into you. They're all nodding, and mm. and of course, I always ask people lots of questions, like, "Do you understand that? Do you feel alone sometimes?" You know. Mm. So there was some like crowd interaction, and um, well, I make them. I yeah. ask, I ask people several times. Oh, I picked on people and several oh, times about this. So. How did how did they react to that? Was it did it go all right? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the the empathy was uncommonly good. I would have said. Um, at least two thirds of the people there really bought into what I was saying, mm. which 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 was borne out in the feedback afterwards. Yeah, and and I know we just before we were speaking just before you, um, before we were recording this, and you said about um, you gave the offer to the audience to of an hour of your time to, to anyone that um, wanted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a that's a really good touch, especially in a situation like that, because I think from a in, even in a um, a way of marketing or something or, or, or getting out for the business like um, that could create opportunities for you as well you know because these expos are, are um, they're real businesses and they're people trying to grow and yeah I mean one of the, one of the things you would have liked um, and, and, and again you'll like Mel in this respect so Mel actually does hug trees oh cool <laughs> and when she's um Mentoring, maybe the word, mm -hmm. other people, she will actually make them repeat things because the universe needs to hear what they're saying. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you relate to that? Mm -hmm. You should be able to, if anybody, mm -hmm. you know. So, one of the things that I talked about, and I said, I don't care whether you will think I'm mad or you don't believe me, I talked about nature, the flow of energy, how things go around doing good things. So, what I believe is, and I do this a lot, um, and I probably do it in a much more honest way than most people do because most people sort of do a lot of bullshit about charity and you know pro bono and philanthropic works and that. Uh, with me, uh, so I hadn't, I actually hadn't consciously thought as a gimmick that I was going to give people an hour. It, it came to me five minutes before I got up on the stage. Yeah. Um, and I had some of my books there, so I said uh, before I started speaking, I was a bit of housekeeping. I called it. 
I said some copies of my first and second books over there. Mm. If anyone would like to have them, uh, first come, first served. And I said, and for anyone uh, who completes listening to me today, mm. um, I would be very happy to give you an hour of my time. Mm. Now, if you think about this, what's the worst that happens? People think, well, it's a nice thing to do. Mm. Certainly Alec and Alison thought it was a wonderful thing to do. Oh, what a wonderful thing. No one's ever done that before. You'd think they would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a lovely thing to do, you know. Those so, places are an opportunity. So I've already created further differentiation. Yeah, because yeah. I've done. I'm doing something. But for now. me, that you said that to me, and it and it is. Yeah, it's like not something that people would do, but it seems like such an obvious, like, like, like thing. Like afterwards, it's like, yeah, of course. You know, these people, you know, you can connect with people, and um, there might be an opportunity that comes out of it that's that's amazing for both of you. Well, obviously, you know, I I think. Um, I mean, you never you never know what's going to happen with that. So to some extent, this comes back to nature again. You've got to trust. What I do is I trust in the past, almost, my past experiences. Mm-hmm. You've just got to trust that if you... If you um, create the opportunity to have a door opened, you know, sometimes that door will lead to, you know, lead you into a... Narnia. Beautiful... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's a nice way of putting it, yeah. Uh, you also have to be realistic and say that you know potentially someone that says yes to you is probably a complete waste of time and drives you nuts or mm, doesn't mm, really need mm. it. Fortunately, so far the response the responses I've got have been amazing. So mm. um, we actually picked up quite a nice so the two directors of business there who actually walked straight out and said, "Wow, we're changing to you." Oh, cool! Straight away. Mm. I didn't know this until I came out. Mm. <laughs> they went over to our stand straight away and said, "We're we're changing to you." Oh, nice. That bloke was amazing, you know. We <laughs> want to be with you, you know. Oh. Um, and without talking about it, I showed you earlier, um, already a very healthy email exchange with a managing director of a large company mm. that was there yesterday, took me up on my offer. And uh, in fact, in her case, I've decided to um, to extend it indefinitely to more than, so it's going to be at probably at least four hours by the time I finished. <laughs> but realistically, uh I would say, looking at her email, there is probably already a 50-50 chance of picking up a lot of work. Yeah. There you go, that. Spotting those opportunities, adapting. Well, I think what it is, mm. what it's all about, isn't it? It's, it's um, I think, what most people don't see, I mean, it's, it's interesting, I'm getting better at this, that's why I, get, I can talk, I talk better, because I understand myself better, I understand the universe better and the and flows and things. I think, um, I often get quizzed by people who say to me, like, why did you do that? Or what was your motive for doing that? Mm-hmm. And the fact is, is nearly always, if not always, the motive has nothing to do with money. Mm. So when I stood up and said, if someone wants an hour of my time, I wasn't thinking about business or money. Yeah, It was a genuine yeah. thing to say, let's let's see where this journey with us today goes. I thank you for, I, I thank you for listening to me. And one of my thank yous for you listening to me is to give you some of my time. Mm. Yeah. And it seems like a really healthy relationship with money because um, if that is your driving force, then I think it can distort what 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 you why you make decisions. You know, like the way that you see it is is money is a is a, is a healthy like almost side effect of these relationships that you build. That's in business. A, yeah, very nicely put. Yeah, and I think that's really what I said actually in my speech yesterday was anybody that tries to run a business to make money is going to fail. Yeah. What I do is I run a business to do the best, give the best service I can, and then money comes off the back of that. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, what what was one of the key messages that you um, that you kind of gave in your um, in your keynote? And I think that's a good one to that. that dare like to it. be great. Yeah, dare to be great. Okay, that's one. Mm-hmm. I basically, you know, it takes a bit. I said, I I think I can be great, and I would like to be great. I don't know I'm going to be great, but. I'm going to do everything I can to be great. Mm-hmm. Would you like to be great? Yeah. <laughs> how can how, what can I do to help you be great? Mm. The whole talk was all about understanding. So probably the key thing was if you, you can't you can't move forward if you don't know who you are yourself. Mm. You need to know who you are as a person. Who, what am I? You know, what am I? Um, 
one of my strengths. What am I? <laughs> yes. Thank you for that, Dan. Um, you know, one of my strengths and weaknesses, um, and then making sure, for instance, you 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 make sure that your weaknesses are covered by somebody else or a system, mm. um, and then th- basic things like who are your competitors? Do you know who your competitors are? Mm. Where do you actually stand in in the jungle? Um, who is your ideal customer? Can you identify a picture in your mind? Who is a perfect customer for you? Mm. All those sort of things. And I don't think people do that. Mm. And and what you said as well about knowing yourself, how important that is. I think you know that's a that's a constant journey throughout life. Is is like you know you you, you need, but um, it's almost like you need uh, people need to understand that you need to know yourself to be able to be successful in what you do. You know that's that needs to be a. a because I don't think some people think about that. They they get they concentrate on their goals and, and all of that stuff. But to make those goals successful, you need to know know yourself more. You know, so it's like saying that that's a key thing you should work on as well. You know. Yep. Hmm. Seems to be. Hmm. Hmm. Oh yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I think you know the the, the whole point is you know let's let's call them less spiritual people. Um. I think what happens, and this is not something that even I think, I think actually if you were to try to plan this, it would probably fail. Mm-hmm. So the reason it works for me is because it's spontaneous and it's genuine. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, is so if, if you know if you if you think about what people said about me yesterday, right? Uh, I don't think actually anyone actually said that he's the cleverest man I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. What people said was amazing. Never heard anyone talk from the heart like that bloke did. Mm, mm. Um, th- people th- say things like it's honest, it's believable, uh, you know, rich experience, you know, someone prepared, genuine, you know, words like that. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is you, and I obviously I talked about things like community, you know, things like that. So what you do is you create this feeling, almost like people f- already know they can sort of trust you because they can see what you're like, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, although it may appear, or and it, well, it does appear, it's true that you're doing things which might seem to be altruistic um, giving, you know, for no apparent reward. What you're doing is you're creating positive energy. Yeah. But for instance, I'm a great believer, and you know, this is not something you could easily explain to a doubter in ten seconds. But I, I'm a great believer that. For every hundred pounds I give away to somebody, I get it back many times over. Mm. I believe that with every fibre of my body, mm. you know. Mm. So it's all about flow. It's all mm. about positive chi, as you know, energy, mm. um, creating positive energy in the universe, mm. and and creating a sort of a force so that people are attracted to you and things are attracted to you. Mm. You get that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's brilliant. It put putting that. Trusting in that abundance that, that that will come back to you if you if you're will, if you're willing to let go of it or to or to give it away for the right reasons you know to help people. Yeah, I don't know to... if it's trust. I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not, I think that's, so that sounds quite cynical to me. Trusting in it, okay. I, I would put it that to me. To me, you're. I, I don't Believing see it like in that. It or... You're you're creating energy and you don't care what happens to you. That's the whole point. Uh, yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. You're yeah. not doing it for a materialist reason. You're doing it because it's genuine. Yeah. Because people know you're being genuine, then things happen. Mm. That's why it's got to be that way round. Mm. Yeah, you <laughs> could say, you could say to some extent that the trust gives you the confidence. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be that element of trust. You know, I know. You know, no matter how batty other people, conventional thinkers think I am, I know that what I'm going to do will work. Mm. And I have the confidence to say, just give me a few days and I'll show you the results of of how I do things. Mm. Mm. Other people would go in in a much more commercially aggressive manner, you know. Mm. And I also think as well, um, when you work in that way, it, it attracts the kind of people to you, like we talked about this before mm. as well, that is, <coughs> that's going to... Um, you know, really work with that way of thinking, or it's going to work for you and your business. It's going to attract the right kind of clients that you want to work with, because that's that's what it's all about as well. So you got you want to be work, if you're going to be happy in business, you want to be working with the people that you want to work with. You know, well, <laughs> like, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I 
Oh, that's great. So, um, Expo sounded that, that sounded like it was a, a, a success to me. Yeah, I think it it was um, it, it it fulfilled many things. It was very interesting. I think to some extent when you when you because um, obviously I've been involved with the Expo now for over four years, and I've spoken at six different venues, I think, uh, and I have such a warm relationship with Alison and Alec uh, it's a good discipline almost to benchmark your progress mm. you know for instance I refer when I started off I thanked her I said I remember when you let me speak at Ascot and I decided I had the I would, to, to find the courage to talk a bit about me for the first time ever in my life mm. so I stood up and said to people I couldn't go to work unless I drank two bottles of wine the night before mm. you know every time I got stressed I opened a packet of fags <laughs> You know, and I actually said that in front of people, and I was amazed at the response I got. Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought people were thinking, "Oh, you jerk," and everyone was like, "Oh, that's amazing, man!" You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was nice uh, to see the progress you'd made. You know, which obviously is translated into the balance sheet mm. as well. You know, mm, mm. so ah. a good thing to do. I think people people on the whole uh, tend to take the easy way out. You know, I know a lot of people would be terrified about standing up, and it was interesting. Um, Michelle from our new wantage office was there, and she sort of said, to me, I was talking to her before, and she said, Are you like really nervous? And I said, No. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, I used to get quite nervous, and I said, What it's more now is I know that I'm a good speaker, you know. Um, there might be there would be some anxiety about whether I'm going to say all the things I wanted to say. Mm. You know, that's what I tend to be. Brought, you know, am I going to forget? Yeah, some are of the you things going to cover I, everything that would be. Whereas probably I would say, if I was rating myself, I reckon what I ended up saying was better than I wanted to say. Mm. Yeah, probably not as well structured, mm-hmm. perhaps. You know, one of the problems with being able to talk like I do you sometimes think well is it a bit rambly mm, you know I'm, I'm going like going hey um, <laughs> you know yeah yeah but not so much tangents it's it, 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 if you were critically analysing my performance is it completely structured in terms of does it follow a natural sequence that's about the answer so, so does that um, <clears throat> make you think that there's opportunity or room for improvement in the way that you would deliver things or is it, is it does it matter do you think it matters, or there's always room for improvement? Mm. It's interesting. One, of the, one, of the, one of the, I was asked a question by uh, a guy that really liked what I was saying, and he was really buying into it. And he could not, he was nodding all through <laughs> and going, "Yeah, man, you know." Like, mm. I mean, so, you know, I'm not being funny. I mean, there's a couple. There's one lady there who's been to three months, and she actually almost goes hallelujah when I'm talking. <laughs> and you, you, no, to ask Tina, it's, it's true, you know. The poor weight followers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Disciples. The, lo- the loaves of red, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. And um, should we get on to um, exciting news in Aspen Wait uh, at the moment? Are you, is, there, is there anything uh, going on that's, that's particularly exciting for you? For the group as a whole? <laughs> well, I suppose... Um, well, the thing is, this, this might sound a bit conceited, there's so many wonderful things happening all the time, it's difficult to know where to start, really. Mm. Um, so... Uh, one of the things we must do uh, is properly um, remember our Professor Harry Thomason today. Mm. So perhaps we could do that at the end. Mm-hmm. He sadly passed away this week, which was devastating for all of us because he was such a wonderful fellow. Um, so we'll leave that sad bit a bit later. Um, it was sad because uh, our Chinese business, or more accurately, really, Darren Horn's Chinese business, um, you know, it's had a tough time over five years, um, really going about things the right way, and we've got to the point now where greatness lies around the corner, and the fact that Prof won't be there to see it upsets me a bit, to be honest. Um, so China is just going to be amazing, and it's just really the future of that is how we harness that. Mm. Not so this is an opportunity that we have where. Um we're going to be able to enter the Chinese market with... Um, with well, we have entered the Chinese market. We, we have, yeah. 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 All we're doing now is broadening broadening the our uh, broadening our um, range, I guess, because at the moment we're 
predominantly seen as experts in education, mm-hmm. whereas obviously um, I want us to be the leaders in trade. Mm-hmm. We've got some already got some wonderful um, connections in China and some great some great um, technology coming out of China itself. So mm. that's very exciting. Um, I'm very excited about going to our new Kent office next week. Uh, so travelling to Kent on Sunday. Mm. This um, is in Deal. In Deal, yeah. The real deal, they are. Real deal. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> they are the real deal. Yeah. Um, Mark, Mark and his team, I think, are launching, running, growing a truly spectacular, outside-the-box, left-field visionary groundbreaking business advisory uh, approach which um, it's a joy to see growing actually Um, it's like a a flower turning up in your garden you've never seen a flower like it before other than you like it you know Mm -hmm. and uh, and you you can't wait to see it grow that's uh, it's quite nice isn't it there you are Mark that's rather beautiful I'll leave that one for you um yeah, so um, all that is possible, of course, because of Mark Kerry himself and his, um, he gets it. So, you know, he, he, he would understand exactly why I did what I did yesterday, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. uh, which is why we get on so well. So, um, and even um, Mark's assistant, Lisa, um, the care she's put into making sure that I have a good time and I'm well organised, really, I really appreciate things like that. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that's really good. Obviously, the Welsh... Um, the Welsh office has, uh, continues to grow uh, and, and 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 excel, um, and uh, the the contacts there and the new clients uh, are just sort of growing almost like a daily rate. I had a uh, particularly fantastic meeting with one of my longest-standing clients that uh, I always used to tell him that he was going to be the king of Wales, but I had to give him some bad news this week. So I said, <laughs> "Hey, Tom," I said. You know, I told you that one day you were going to be the King of Wales. Well, I'm sorry, mate. That's going to be me. I said, but I will let you go to my coronation. You can sit near the front. <laughs> he just laughed. Uh, <laughs> I said, I'm not joking. <laughs> I said the other day, you know you want to turn over 25 million. Well, I'm going to get there before you. So, <laughs> so that was kind of race. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a wonderful meeting, actually. Um, so I've got um, a meeting today with my old friend, Perry Lewis, Dorian and maestro of corporate finance which um uh hopefully if things go as i expect uh, will mean that aspen weight will have an all singing all dancing corporate finance uh offering okay which will be amazing and will how important is that for the for huge the, i think yeah. massive mm. massive yeah i think uh i've always thought that if aspen weight had a proper full corporate finance offering then everything we did would become so much easier. We'd be able to do so much more. For for, for me, being a layman, Paul, can you um go, uh, just go into corporate finance a little bit, like what it what it looks like, or how it's different from uh, normal services that we offer? Well, if I if I just explain what 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 I mean by why it would why it would transform our business. So, for instance, if 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 you just took you know just obviously these are quite basic assumptions I'm not saying that they necessarily can be achieved but just assume they could be so if every time you had a client that had wonderful potential you never had to worry about where the money was Mm -hmm. because you knew that that company's product would go to market Mm -hmm. yeah then think about what happened Uh, firstly uh, we would we would not have any issues about being able to charge them properly Mm -hmm. so obviously we would get more fees we get more fees quicker the company would grow, their, their revenues would rise, therefore we get more fees anyway. Mm. You see what I mean? Mm. Um, you get additional income streams, so company needs money to grow. Uh, that creates work for the corporate finance team. Um, tends to be reasonably expensive, corporate finance work. So, you know, then you've got things like people want to sell. So that's really, really, really where you want to be. I mean, if you can... If you can basically look after um, a client and their business over their natural working life and then help them to sell their business, um, then that's, you know, that's 
that's true care, isn't it? That's cradle to grave care. That is, yeah. Raising the baby, feeding the baby, growing the baby, uh, watching the child grow up, turning into a person, and then when they come to to die, give them a glass of whiskey and let them die in the meadow or something, you know, whatever the right analogy is. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's a tremendously exciting and also um, profitable, highly profitable thing to do. Mm. So. Um, Personally, the sort of work I probably most like doing is buying and selling businesses. It's just very rewar- rewarding work, you know. Mm. Um, so the corporate finance business is basically all about, um, obviously, funding, really. Uh, in, its, in its raw state, you know, a client needs £15 million to grow and you go out and get the money. Ah, okay. Obviously, it's a huge amount of work that goes into that, probably five years of forecasts, a business wow. plan. Yeah. Lots of research, probably a need to improve the team. Uh, work needed on all the areas of weakness that need to be covered before the is investor ready, as it would be called. Mm. This so. is like this is like taking the complete business growth service to a new level. It's like <laughs> it's not just growth. It's <laughs> well, for me, you know, as a obviously because obviously having having trained with the second largest company in the world um, and being. And also, I suppose, being a keen student of accountancy history, etc., etc., to me, Aspenweight's never really been, can I put it, a proper firm in its whole because it didn't. Whereas when, with the corporate finance, will be will be a proper firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah you have every everything. In yeah, it will be you know serious force, and I think it's um, it's not not something I, I so I don't underestimate it. I. I hugely uh, see the significance in in in, in, in its uh, existence. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think, what else there is? Um, oh, I suppose. Um, thanks. Uh, I, I, one of the things I did yesterday, mm-hmm. um, you know, I got Ross to give me this wonderful slide about serendipitous synchronicity, mm-hmm. uh, which seemed to go down quite amusingly. And obviously, I was able to tell a fantastic tale about serendipitous synchronicity. Uh, which you know, I won't, I won't necessarily bore you with today, but it was all to do with the fact that Rebecca Griffiths, you know, of Enable, uh, a fairly new recruitment agency, had the fact that she sent me an email, you know, so you might call it a cold email, whatever the right technical term for that is. Mm. Uh, obviously, then I didn't have to read it, did I? Mm-hmm. You know, this is what I was talking about yesterday. This is this is the whole point about flow and creating opportunities. My whole point was. Quite often in life, what happens all depends on how people react. Mm-hmm. How each person in the chain, how they react to something. Yeah, Because any person in the chain could kill it, or yeah. it could never start. She sends me an email, I don't read it, never starts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sends me an email, I read it. For whatever reason, I thought, oh, there's two people on there, that reads to be interesting. So I send her an email back saying, hello, not disinterested in two of these people and then she comes back and and I play a bit cool you know and uh, and eventually she's like well we can have a chat if you like and I'm a bit busy for that you know (laughs) and then for whatever reason I decided I would yeah (laughs) so we have a chat and then she blew me away because she said to me well how much are we going to charge you and I said well nothing of course I thought, well, that's a stupid question. You can't expect me to say, you're charged with 10 zillion. So I thought nothing was even the appropriate thing. So she said, you know, how about um, blah percent? And I said, oh, that sounds, that sounds pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. And I then said, it's almost like you knew, you know, knew me because that, I said, trust me, young lady, that would be a, you'll see that was a very smart thing you just did. Mm. Then, of course, you know, she comes in the office, you met her as well. We mm-hmm. had a great meeting, um, quite yeah. a, in a very nice way, quite a commanding lady, I'd say, mm-hmm. wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I felt then that I hadn't really thought of it before as it being a problem, but I felt that from now on, um, recruitment will never be a problem again. Mm. You know. And of course, <clears> the other thing is, very early on, she mentioned her husband. I, I had already decided I was going to say to her, well, why don't we talk to her, your husband? And she got beat me to it, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, of course, you know, so there again, another example of serendipitous synchronicity in, in operation. Mm. Um, we were both operating it very aggressively at the same time. Mm-hmm. Husband comes in, what a great bloke. Uh, 
even even one he's a, he's a he's one of the great experts in digital technology mm. what do i want to be expert in digital technology it was like thank you thank you lord <laughs> you know so it's just a it's just a wonderful example of how three people who didn't know each other a week ago have now got together in a completely vibrant way to create an amazing opportunity for all of us mm. but to me it's, it's the strategic significance of knowing him should not be underestimated. I see it as massive. You could actually say, in from a strategic point of view, the last week has been right up there as one of the great weeks. I would say. Mm. So watch this space for uh, revolutionising the digital world. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Shay, baby. <laughs> Shay, baby. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's all, sounds all good stuff. All good stuff. Yeah, and I think with the um, uh, recruiting as well, what it really made me see is like I've, I've not really um, thought about that, like about recruitment agencies before, like what, you know, how significant they could play in, in getting you the right people. Obviously, like the way that she came in and tried to get an overall idea of everything we, we were as a business and um, in in the situation, it was... That was what was needed. That transparency, everyone yeah, in the same room. Yeah, it was refreshing, wasn't it? You know, mm-hmm. and and I was like, okay, well, yeah. Obviously, if that person like knows all of that about the business, then the people that they try and recruit are going to be really tailored. You know, having someone, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty cool, pretty cool. That's great. You know, I think you know what 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 she did was she positioned herself as a member of the team. What recruitment people normally do is they are, they're almost like a vulture. Yeah. So I see them. Yeah. Because they charge so much money. Yeah, this is what yeah. I mean. Like I, I've, I've always just had a bad like. Oh yeah, great. Yeah, I'll pay you seven grand for it. Yeah, well, that's great. That is, isn't it? Like how? M- they don't really do anything to earn it. Where she is clearly. They just have a. They just have a big. She load is clearly of people that they doing can... work to earn her money. She's thinking about who she's sending to us. Yeah. She understands and that's who we are, what we want. You know, it's, it's just great. Mm. Refreshing. Well done to you, Rebecca Griffiths. Good plug. Yeah. Nice. So, I, I was going to um, talk a little bit about China in this episode. Really? Yes, if you if you were up for that, because I think it's quite relevant <laughs> in this. All everything's happened with Brexit and that, and like building relationships oh, okay. with other, other countries. Like this is obviously an opportunity that that's expanding for us going into China, but. Um, for England as a whole, you know, like Britain as a whole, please. Britain, Britain as a <laughs> Britain whole, Ireland, yeah. but yeah. So for Britain as a whole, you know, in 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 what could be a pro, post Brexit world, and hopefully, is it, <laughs> uh, hopefully, yeah. Like, um, is is it a massive opportunity? What China? Mm. Of course it is. Mm. So how does that look for you? A massive opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> We have talked about this in previous podcasts, haven't we, a bit? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, China has the largest population of any country in the world. Mm -hmm. It's also the largest, pretty much the largest country in the world, you know, pretty close to it. And um, it's the second biggest economy in the world, as Mm. we speak. Inevitably will be the biggest. And and, and just the the reasons, like, why they would be wanting to um, bring business into their country, because we know that, so we can see that they've got a massive population and they've got a really good economy, but it's like, why would they actually want to... I would question what you just said. They've got a really good economy, what is that? Oh, not a really good economy, a large economy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's what I meant, sorry. Well, they have a large economy, which is inevitable, given their, their population size. Yeah. The actual the large uh, economy you have, the, China. The, the, the average earnings per person is, are is, very low. Yeah, if you look at it on that scale, because there, there's the there's the gap, isn't there, between you know poor and rich? And well, obviously there are a lot of very rich Chinese people. Yeah. Most Chinese people are living on yeah, I don't know, two hundred pound a month or something. Mm. Probably not as much as that, I suppose. Mm. So so they so they're wanting to work with um, uh, you know, uh, countries outside of China. Um, to to bring to bring in innovation into their into their um, into their country because that well this is from what Darren was saying as well it's like you know the the, the fact that they um, their education system or the the way that they think because it's like communist um, like country that they they lack the way of thinking that 
uh, we have in other countries that are more free in the way that, you know, innovation and creation. Uh, so for technology, they're a little bit hitting a... I don't know how, I don't know how um, that sits, but... Right. Um, so so as, as Drew has right, rightly said, so uh, China is a communist country, and one shouldn't forget that. Uh, there's also a lot of aspects of China which are quite distasteful mm-hmm. to us um, and obviously that's that's going to probably become more and more of an issue you know we've got the diplomatic row going on at the moment with Hong Kong you know uh, and, and, and in many respects I applaud the British government for standing up for the Hong Kongers I think as they're called mm-hmm. Hong Kongers I think. <laughs> um, uh, in many respects I regretted I suppose we had to because we all did but it was, a, it was a bit of a sad day Hong Kong going back to China and I've always feared that there will be a horrible day when um, there's got to be a potential bloodbath there mm. you know if you had to pick a place in the world where you could have a nightmare how the world might respond to that would be very very interesting I think but anyway let's, 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 let's be a bit more positive at the moment um, obviously Hong Kong um, does operate as a completely separate economic zone mm-hmm. inside China mm-hmm. which I think does is it was a smart thing to do on the Chinese behalf um, obviously uh, communism itself and, and indeed socialism in my opinion uh, is is an economic disaster mm. right socialism and communism will never on their own flourish because um, they create a, a sterile blinkered monotracked sort of way of thinking as you rightly alluded to so you know I think we we Brits uh, we have you know the mother of all parliaments you could argue in many respects that we invented democracy and we live it you know Uh, it's a very enlightened country you know it doesn't matter whether you're black yellow red pink uh, what sex you are want to be think you are you know all those sort of things um we're very enlightened and and it's no it's no coincidence therefore that we uh have a disproportionate amount of influence in anything creative i think mm-hmm. uh so we we are brilliant at inventing things we we've got brilliant music haven't we mm. uh we make great stuff you know our 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 place in the world is 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 wonderful for a country of just over sixty million people. Mm. You know, mm. now you compare that with China. On the other hand, you have practically no creativity mm. because there's no, you're not allowed to. Mm. You know, but then uh, what they're very good at is packing something out and be building. Well, they have to, don't they? Yeah, and that's what I mean. So that's what makes me think the collaboration is good because that's not what 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 we're not so good at, or or, well, or we we could be good at, but we don't do as much. What Britain isn't very good at is. And I would be true. This would be true of me until you know fairly recently. It's quite often um, people don't perhaps they don't recognise what they have themselves. They're not very good at selling it. Whereas, for instance, the Germans in particular are fantastic, at, much better than us at mm-hmm. going into foreign countries and and saying, "Hey, look, you know, we're we're the world's greatest car builders or whatever it might mm-hmm. be." You know, um, obviously, what we have going for us, um, and I think this is true. I, I, I think one would have to say we may not be the most popular people in the world, uh, although that's that's uh, an interesting one in itself. Um, I think what we are is, I think people respect us. I think Britain as a country almost demands respect because of its achievements. You can't mm-hmm. not respect a, a country without whom Europe would not be free. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, one of the things that saddens me with some of the people in the EU is is the fact that let's take Belgium as a great example. Uh, the Belgians wouldn't have the country they have if it wasn't for us. Mm. You know, we went into war against our natural allies on their behalf, and it's, it's like most of them seem to have forgotten it. You know. Mm. Mm. Uh, anyway, so I think Britain has a rich history. Um, one of the things which we do better than anybody else, in my opinion. Uh, one has to be a little bit careful in this snowflake world as to how one puts this over. But Britain 
has grown and become the country it has, where it has, for instance, the largest capital inward investment of any country in the world, even more than America, um, because we're a seafaring nation and we've always looked outwards. And that's why it makes me laugh when people talk about us being insular. We're not insular. The way I look at it isn't that I don't want to sell into Europe. I want to sell everywhere. <laughs> Do you see there's a big yeah, difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no difference to me between so Laos, Vietnam yeah. and Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. Why I don't want to be limited to selling to Belgium. Yeah. I want to under, sell to Thailand. Under rules I like Thailand. From. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I want to sell to Australia, who are friends. I want to sell to New Zealand and Canada and 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 Mauritania and Gambia and yeah. Tanzania and Kenya. Yeah. You know, and Paraguay and Uruguay and mm. whatever Uruguay else there is. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think um, there's, a, there's a fantastic opportunity out there. Um, and if you take China, for instance, I mean, the Chinese, I mean, there's a, there's a trade-off, isn't there? Uh, if you, I think you need to understand realistically what's going on. The Chinese are evolving. They're probably, they're probably in terms of where their people are in reality sort of where we were in about 1870 or something, you know. Mm. That's probably true, you know. Um, and the fact is, and this is where where I think that the Greens, for instance, although I do, I am environmentally friendly, I think one needs to understand that we Western world people have managed to get to the point where we have all our technology in our cars, uh, and then we're trying to turn around to somebody else and say, we had that, but you can't have it. Mm. You can't have it because it's going to kill the world. Mm. Well, I don't think people just want we want it, don't they? You mm. know, you can't eat that bread. Somewhere I can see the bread there. I want it. You've got it. You've got a loaf of bread. I want to have a loaf of bread. Mm. You know, that's very simplistically where what we're dealing with. So, the Chinese uh, will inevitably grow. Obviously, as they grow, that will place a creak. Uh, what I mean, it will, it will cause a strain on the communist system because naturally, as people get more money, they get more aspirational. Yeah. So if you like, I'm all about aspiration. You wouldn't find anybody more aspirational than me. Mm. In fact, I'm a, I'm a great, I'm a great success product of the UK aspirational system. Mm. My father would be a socio group C one, and I've become probably a B one. Mm. You know, mm. um, so as people become aspirational, they start. And for instance, you know, one of the, it's a proven economic fact: people spend money based on what they think they're going to earn in the future, not what they earn now. That's, that's, that's an interesting point. Mm. So, when the Chinese start thinking like that, and some of them probably already do, then you start getting quite an interesting scenario. The Chinese themselves obviously have a huge focus on agriculture. So they grow, you know, millions of tons of rice and millions of tons of bread, you know, props and and whatever. What they need is they 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 don't have the mentality and they don't have the raw skills. So. Where there's a great opportunity for us, and this is where it slots into some of our skills, such as education, is, so what's having to happen is, um, so let's say in the past, under the the old communist regime, you'd have factories in China making loads of left boots, yeah. another factory making right boots, and another one making bras, another one making pants or whatever, you know? Um, now, of course, you know, we're, we've, we've got things like, I'm just thinking about real projects we're involved in, agri-tech, Mm-hmm. You know, technology in the agricultural sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Chinese company that's uh, potentially invested, invented a fantastic treatment for tumours, for instance. You know, a Chinese company. Yeah, I think so. Oh. Uh, well, it may, it, it, it may have come from somewhere like Singapore, but effectively it's uh, been. Yeah. So the innovation has come from another country. Maybe. It may be. I don't. We, I don't know. It doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, for the purpose of, of the point I'm making. Mm. So what the Chinese are doing is they are now, for instance. Um, they, they, they can see that they now need to breed tens of thousands of pounds of people who are in the agricultural tech space. Yeah. They need to make sure that they've got tens of thousands of people who are digitech friendly, tens of thousands of people who are IT the friendly. The skill set that they have needs to yeah. raise. So they're looking at all the skills. Yeah. In many cases, they can't do that on their own. Yeah. They need so, to be shown. Yeah. So one thing we have as a country is, is we have... Um, a heritage of um, we have a heritage of uh, of of a place where people trust us, and they, you know, we've we've got this um, legacy based on the past, where 
uh, you know, because of our history. So the Chinese very much look to us as being the natural providers of many of those those things. Mm. Of course, as we discussed in previous episodes, because uh, of the Trump factor, the Trump factor in China is good for us because Trump, on the whole, alienates the Chinese against America. Mm. So there's this natural place which really... In many respects, you know, we're we're sitting there in prime position to take. Mm. So, if you think about, you know, what did we work out the other day that the whole EU was worth nineteen trillion pounds, mm. uh, of which we're two point four or something. Um, so, uh, the Chinese, you know, the Chinese, I don't know what they are, but they would be, they would probably be at least half of that, mm. you know, on their own. So, given that we. As, as we've discussed before, which is another thing that's crazy about the Remainers, is we are a massive... We, we massively import import far more from the EU than we export to the EU. Yeah. So we don't actually have to get... Particularly, you don't have to get a huge amount of the Chinese market just to make... Even if we lost all of the EU trade, which we won't, will we? No. It's just ridiculous. They want to sell I mean, so I, what I don't understand is... is America's not in the EU... Well, you wouldn't sit there and say, oh, I can't buy Levi's or mm. I can't buy Miller Lite or whatever it would be, you know? Mm. This, is, this is ludicrous. So, you know, there might be some, some, you know, downside or probably more realistically, some um, damage caused by uh, tariffs or something which make goods more or less competitive. Um, but the Chinese market, no, absolutely. I mean, I think... Not just China, you know. You take the what they call the brick-brack countries, which are the emerging countries. So places like uh, China, Brazil, Indonesia, even Russia to some extent. Um, you know, these are all global giants mm. that need uh, massive help. Mm. You need to go back to you know. You probably don't know the story. Um, so if we were to go back to the early 1800s with Argentina, for instance, which obviously was, was once a colony of Spain, as you probably know, do you? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah. I, do I think actually. most of South America was yeah, other than yeah, Brazil, of course, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, so effectively, um, and it's quite sad, you know, that we had the war with them. So Britain almost single-handedly built Argentina with the Argentinians. Oh, wow. We built every, every inch of railway. Do you know that? Wow. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So Britain. Yeah. You see, you could argue we're being very naughty because we basically going to the Czechs about this. You know, this off. You know, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna help your colony become independent. And yeah, yeah. So we, you know, the British played a massive role in the development of Argentina. Mm-hmm. We built all their railways, did huge amounts of engineering work, that sort of thing. Mm. My point for saying that is. China is that all over again, isn't it? But on a huger scale, you know? So it's opening up uh, opportunities into all of these other countries, really. That's how you're kind of seeing it as well. Like, Well, I think the world is a big stage, isn't yeah, it? And, it is. and these days yeah. with with um, technology, um, it why doesn't... Not? You don't need... To, you, you. What did you say? I just said, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... Um, you're, you're, you're not constrained anymore yes. by... By you know the fact that you had to go and literally be in front of somebody, you, you've got all this wonderful technology we use. Yeah, so and, it's and, and the thing is as well is it's um, it, it, it's the reason why you would do something as well. So it's like uh, it's for the right reasons. You know, you'd want to help these countries. Obviously, you're going to get. Uh, it's like what you said about uh, meeting people um, at the at the expos and everything like that. Like you're creating these relationships with these countries or with these people because you know what you're mutually going to get from it is something far bigger than just looking at it from a monetary thing, you know? And I think that can be applied um, for the countries as well. Yeah, because, you know, as we discussed earlier, you know, at the end of the day, relationships are based on trust, aren't they? So yeah. the, more, the, more tr- the more trust that you can um, build, then obviously the better it's going to be. Better relationships going to be. Mm. Absolutely. Obviously. So let's build... Build. Great, best build <laughs> these great relationships with all of these great countries, yeah, and um, yeah, not not be stifled or held down by any singular. Quite force. right, quite right, <laughs> quite right, Mister Armstrong. Yeah, well, I think that's been, that's been a great one, Paul. We have we got um, have we got any any other points you want to? Um, yes, last thing I wanted to say is um, uh, Professor Harry Thomason passed away this week. Um, I had the. Great pleasure to meet Harry probably about six years ago, I think it probably was. 
um, when we were invited to join what seemed to be a groundbreaking, ambitious new group in London, which I was very, very excited to be part of. Unfortunately, um, the leader of that group proved to be, uh, let's, let's not be too rude, an interesting character, and the project wasn't really viable, should we say, or one that we wished to be associated with. Um, but several of us, notably myself and Prof, uh, decided that we were, you know, A-OK kiddies and were better for the experience of having met. And um, Professor Harry uh, effectively is one of the leading academics, educational academics in the UK, um, with a rich and varied uh, pedigree, notably with Lancaster University. I think he also was the key driver behind the rise and success of Loughborough University, which mm. probably, when I was a bit younger, was, I don't know, possibly the greatest physical education university in the world. Mm. You know, an amazing um, pedigree in sport, for instance. So Harry was very, very instrumental in that. I don't know enough about it, but I know that he was huge in Loughborough University. And um, because because he always had so much energy, I think I didn't really appreciate just how old he was. So I think Darren tells me that Harry was in his 80s, but mm. because he was quite happy catching the train, so he could be down from Lancaster, he always was quite happy having meetings in Bridgewater um, and curling up in his little suit. And mm. um, very um, obviously a very intelligent man, but... Um, Typical Northerner in many respects, you know, very plain speaking, um, liked it as it was, put up with Darren, which is a good, no mean feat, uh, and had the patience to see the longer picture. Very, very calm and steadying influence on the ship, I would say. Mm. Um, I, when when China UK started, I, I, I sat there and I thought, oh, Chuck Darren needs... Darren needs Prof. Mm. So I said to Prof, uh, I'd really like you to get involved in this business I'm sort of associated with. Would you do that? And to my astonishment, he did. And he's stayed ever since wow. through through thick and thin for no real reward to him, to be honest. He never earned a pound of salary, I don't think, uh, from being involved in China UK. But as, as I was discussing with Darren yesterday, um, obviously the Chinese perception of China UK was immensely greater because of the existence of Prof mm. because of his you know amazing you know um, lineage and heritage so the Chinese put a lot of store on things like that you know mm. they, they, they're they very easily impressed you know so if Lord Blobby is your chairman that's good you know uh, whereas we wouldn't place so much store on it would mm. we we'd be more interested in the ability of the people I would suggest so Harry uh, just Harry into China UK and for whatever reason he was pleased for it and and Harry was actually uh, instrumental in turning China UK from being China UK into Aspen Wake, China UK. Mm. So it was Harry that came to see me on his own two months ago and basically said, right, Mr. Wake, uh, there's this amazing opportunity in China. Now it's going to explode, was the exact words, but it's not going to explode without you. Mm-hmm. Would you please consider taking us under your wing? And he actually was kind enough to say, Actually, he said, uh, I've always, when I'm with the Chinese, I always say that we're part of you anyway, and, and, and they were very impressed with, with Aspen Wake. Uh, and it wasn't a difficult meeting. It was very easy to say, yes, of course, which mm. is what I did. So um, what, what is a great shame is we had our first board meeting as Aspen Wake China UK only about three weeks ago, and Prof was so excited by some of the things I was doing such as the Rugby Player Initiative, you know, the retirement thing, he loved that. Both supported Man United. Um, and uh, he's just one of those people, you just, I just, there's sometimes you meet people and you think they're not very well, you know. Whereas a prof... He always had that. Well, he never, he never looked ill, he, he was, you know, he'd probably walk down the road better than I would. Yeah. You know. Um, so, the only thing that we could draw solace from is falling asleep in your garden and not waking up again is not exactly the worst way to go is it mm. so that's what happened to him so um i don't i don't I'd, I'd like to have known him better than i did you know i i i have a number of uh, instances where clearly he 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 for instance i can i can say because we talked about this 
he shared my patriotic values. He totally got the fact that I wanted to build a legacy because he does too. So like me, he wanted to be one of the people that, that helped. We were talking about the China thing. So to me and Harry, helping Britain do that was more important than any money for ourselves. Mm. And we both the felt the same picture. about that, you know. Mm. Oh, no, we, it wasn't the wider picture. We are both patriotic. We wanted... We were more interested in helping our country than we were any yeah, money we got yeah, for it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, really gentle man, I'd say, as well. Gentle, kind, lovely chap. And um, he's not with us anymore. And hopefully, I'm looking at the sky and he's looking down on us now. Mm. So I think it would be very crass and wrong with me not to dedicate today's show to Harry. Uh Sorry, Harry, when I was thinking about the song to play today, I didn't really think about what sort of song you might have liked. And we're not going to play The Red Army or something or anything like that. So, uh, uh, passing over to Drew. So, uh, he can today, I, dance to this one. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if Harry would like to dance to it, really. But, um, so I was thinking long and hard about uh, a track for today. And um, I decided that uh, my week was all about sort of getting around the country. So I thought, uh, one of my... Probably one of the, in my opinion, one of the probably the five greatest pop songs, I'd call it. Really, really classic two-minute, probably not much more, two-minute song, which um, like really, really catchy, and I find it energising. It's one of the songs I play regularly, over and over again. Get around by the Beach Boys. Mm. The Beach Boys, um, just a little thing on that. So Beach Boys were formed in 1961 in a place called Hawthorne in California. Uh, three brothers and their cousin, Mike Love, who's quite famous. A family affair. Oh, very much, yes. But they're still called the Beach Boys. Mm. So uh, mm. to, for the first three years, they basically pioneered what was called uh, surf rock or something like that, or beach, beach rock, I think it was called, or something mm. like that. Um, they had their uh, first number one in 1964. Um, went on to have four US number ones. Um, Good Vibrations was their first UK number one, so they'd already had two US number ones before they really broke into the to the UK they're probably the only American band that survived the British invasion as they called it or British yeah, British invasion isn't it led by the Beatles obviously where basically British music took over America for five years um, in the 60s the Beach Boys were unaffected by that and eventually um, Brian Wilson became very very friendly uh, and respectful of um, I can't remember if it was Harrison or McCartney but um, they've been really, really great friends. And um, the Beach Boys are regarded uh, officially as the 12th most influential rock band in history. Mm. Uh, this is officially on the, you know, the, um, the uh, Hall of Fame and all that. Um, they uh, had 80 hits worldwide, uh, 36 top 40 US Billboard hits, which is more than any other band in history. US band anyway I'm not sure we had the Beatles standing against that sold over 100 million records worldwide uh, tremendously influential um, one of the things Drew and I both like um, is when people have a unique sound and, and nothing could be more unique than them and they'll you know the, the twangy guitar and the lovely happy feel you know is just the harmonies just the heart, heart yeah well yeah that's, I think that's that's exactly a, a, a perfect word because that's what it's all about, harmonies. Um, one of the reasons I also love the Beach Boys is because um, one of my favourite people of all time, and I think that is true, is Glenn Campbell, who sadly passed away last year, who, who I, uh, as much as one could without meeting someone, loved dearly uh, in all respects. Um, Glenn Campbell was uh, effectively their lead guitarist for two years, one year. Uh so um, quite a few. Quite, there's quite a few. Um, Tony Tennille from Captain of Tennille also played with um, the Beach Boys for some time. Mm. So the Beach Boys are a tremendously legendary, uh, a legendary act. Um, also, a, a, quite a, a, an interesting case study in how a family can fall apart under pressure and fame. Brian Wilson, as you may know, suffered from mental illness. Mental illness. Um, from about 1967 onwards mm -hmm. which was exacerbated by uh, misuse of drugs shall we say mm. um, and he's been a mess for a lot of the last 40 years but intermittently has found himself I think he's been pretty clean now for 
some time. So Beach Boys, uh, amazing group, amazingly. Uh, they, they're actually, I think, while they're cited by the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as the 12th most influential, they're something like the fifth most cited famous people who are told what, you know, who, who they, you know, people who came on to be great rock and roll people themselves when they're interviewed and asked, you know, why they became who they were. The Beach Boys are acknowledged as being the fifth most influential mm. uh, band on the development of other rock, rock stars. Mm. So um, we're going to play it today with um, what, I, what was my favourite Beach Boys track. Uh, almost like you can't not move to it, I would say. <laughs> and it's called Get Around by the Beach Boys. Oh, yes. Enjoy getting around this week, listeners. And uh, we're sending you good vibes. See you next week. Round, round, get around. I get around. Yeah, get around, round, round. I get around. I get around. Get around, round, round.